everybody. Welcome to the For Your Period podcast. I'm Anna. I'm Sarah. We are here, Sans Alex. She's got a sick little one and we prioritize health here at FYP. So we are, we're going to do some heavy lifting with Ad Alex today and chat with you guys. But first let's do our cycle check-in. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now so I can okay. see what day I'm on. I'm on day 24. Oh, that's right. I'm feeling pretty good for being mm-hmm. on day 24. I have been, uh, I have not been eating sugar or gluten or dairy for the past uh, 28 days um, until today. I had a little bit of maple syrup on some paleo pancakes and it was really good and nothing bad happened. Um, but I've also been taking my Semaine Health daily this whole time and you know we'll see what happens when my period actually gets here I don't think she's quite coming yet I think it has extended my cycle in a healthy way like all of these healthy practices I've been doing but you know so far I haven't really had any kind of like big feelings that I would usually get around this time and my skin issues seem to be clearing up knock on wood so, you know, for a day 24, I'm I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not too shabby. I'm like a day behind you. I'm day 23. And I got to spend some time with like my oldest best friend. We've been best friends since I was 10. Our daughters are like three months apart. She brought her daughter over and my other best friend who I met a little later than that. Um, and normally like the whole time we planned this, I was like, I just want to stay in bed like I don't want to be around people but being around my best friends for like eight hours it was just lovely we just sat on the couch and talked and ordered Chinese and yeah I did not feel luteal at all Um, but I'm like riding the luteal like completion nesting energy Mm -hmm. and yeah my calendar is like color-coded and cued and all mapped out for the week (laughs) all the meals have been prepped and it just you know, the laundry's dead. And so, yeah, I'm kind of having a, a high day 23 myself yeah, here. You're ready for winter. Like you said, like the meals are prepped, everything's planned. The fall harvest is, you've got that done. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So cycle check-in, it's, it's just a beautiful thing. And I think just checking in in general, just your cycle just seems to applaud you for honoring and taking notice. And so- I kind of look at my cycle check-in like any relationship. Like I check in with my husband when he's at work and see, seeing how he's doing, I should be checking in with myself and offering the same amount of energy and attention to. Oh my gosh. Yes. I love that. Like that's your most important relationship is the one you have with yourself. And if you aren't checking in and communicating and listening, like you would in any good relationship, like you're not going to have good outcomes. So, you know, just another plug for the cycle check-in and understanding (laughs) the changes that happen to you throughout the cycle. And like you were saying, like when you do it regularly, even when things are rough, you're not surprised. Like you're not blindsided by these things. You're like, no, I understand. Yeah. Maybe I can shift this or I can ask for help here. It just, it makes things so much easier. <laughs> it does. It so does. Cause Friday when my husband came home, I was cooking and he can just tell he's, I, he's now an energy reader and he's just 
Are you feeling all right? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm literally, he's like, oh, okay. So he knows what that means. And it's not me making excuses for bad behavior. It's just like, I'm feeling a little rubbed, you know? <laughs> and yeah, so I just adjust accordingly. Yeah. And that's so proactive. Like before yeah. you kind of have that, like, you know, the unfortunate depiction of people like in that PMS moment, before you even get to that point, you're admitting like, no, I'm just not feeling quite right. And it prevents so much of that, especially when you have a supportive team around you. They're like, okay, I understand. Like, how can we help? Yes. Yes. And it's any other signal that your body gives you. Like if you're getting a signal of hunger, you know what your body needs and how to address the signal of hunger. It's not, yeah, having a, a feeling of needing to nest or needing to be alone or needing to not hear sounds <laughs> or people moving around you is a signal from your body. And if you don't know what the signal is, you're going to vilify yourself and feel mm -hmm. like, just this raging bitch and I I just can't you know <laughs> I've got these blessings and I can't appreciate and you go to the shame right. spiral and you just don't have to do all that you don't have to do all that you really don't you really don't yeah so we thought that we would talk about a concept that we like to toss around I don't know like we we still haven't really heard anybody else kind of talk about it this way yeah. you know we talk about generational wealth Mm -hmm. And that has its own connotations that we don't need to get into, but we've kind of started talking about like, well, how can we create generational health? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, there is that old saying like health is wealth. And there's a lot of focus these days on like aging well, because, you know, being able to get old is a privilege, yeah. but how can we do it in a way where we're, you know, we are living the best way that we can, even as we get older. Um, so yeah. So how would you define generational health? Oh gosh. I'm, I'm an older mom. And so um, some of my friends are starting to like have high blood pressure and prediabetes and all these things. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a thumbs down. <laughs> all these things. And it's scary. It feels like it's getting closer and close, closer to us. And my husband and I are, becoming more hyper aware of how to love on our bodies. And then we have this seven-year-old that, you know, wants a happy meal and wants, you know, the fruit snacks and want, and we felt like it was like a rite of passage for her to have crap food. And saying that it, it dawned on me one day when she kept coming from the pantry, well, can I have this? Well, can I have this? And I kept saying, no, you need something nutritious. You need something nutritious. And it dawned on me, why are, why do you have shit that she can't eat in the house? Or why are you, yeah. And I said, we've, we've got to change something because we're at the generation where we are taking care of our kids and our parents and the bad habits that my parents still have, I'm having to, it's, it's kind of gut-wrenching. And then I'm looking at my kid, like I want to set her up for success. Like we've got to figure out how to do this for all three of these generations that are present right now. And so generational health, for me is planting good seeds and, and sorry, Siri, Siri's talking to me um, <laughs> and planting good seeds and laying a good foundation. So like you said, so you can age and not be a burden on your family and you can live your life to the fullest. I feel like generational health is being able to live a good, long, full life. Yeah, absolutely. Because what, like, that's what they teach you in health health coach school is that true health 
is like all of the other things, like your relationships, your hobbies, your spirituality, like all of those other things. So it's how do, like you said, how do we plant those seeds so that like, not only do we have those things, but we can kind of end some of those cycles for ourselves and for those who come after us, because I don't know if you're listening or you're watching this. If I mean, what I, I do kind of believe that like, we don't actually have a healthcare system. We have a sick care system. There's not a lot of mechanisms set up to help us stay well in the first place. You have to really go out of your way and become your own like expert. And unfortunately you have to go through a lot of BS because there's a ton of BS information out there to figure out like what wellness or true health actually means. So to me, it's kind of like, you know, we're trying to like end these cycles of generational trauma. Well, the same goes for course correcting. So we don't, you know, we don't have to necessarily be a burden on this sick care system unless we actually need it. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm very grateful for Western medical intervention, but it is, it shouldn't be like the first line of defense. There's so many other things we could be doing so that again, we stay healthy, we stay well longer. And then when we do really need the care, it's available. The care is good because the system's not overburdened, all of those things. So that's, that's really what I think of. And then we always talk about it in the sense of menstrual health mm-hmm. because generation upon generation upon generation have gone through life not understanding their menstrual cycle. And it wasn't until like the early 1900s that science was able to show us what was going on in our bodies. Intuitively, yeah. the fems, the ovary carriers, the menstruators, we always knew. Mm-hmm. But we also live in a world where we're told not to believe ourselves. We aren't listened to and we're told not to even listen to ourselves. But science has shown us what happens. Like we understand, but it's, we're still at the point where it's not regularly taught to the point where the whole world understands that it is a difference that 50% of the population has. So even the health practitioners aren't being taught. Yeah. Like they don't even know. And so I went from through a period of time where I was just like pissed at my doctors and my care team. I'm like, what, like how? And then I had to stop and think they aren't taught that they studies aren't typically done on women, especially, you know? Yeah. So I did have to step back and think like, okay, I have to take this into my own hands and do everything I can do before I reach out for like, Western medical interventions. Yeah. And I sit on Zoom calls when my mom goes to her her doctor's appointments and things like that. And not one of these doctors have asked her, how many hours are, are you sleeping? Tell me about your diet. Um, what what how much are you moving each? Like they don't ask her anything. And she's got all of these inflammatory conditions that they're just throwing medicine at. And it just angers me because they they're not even asking her those things. Right. And those are like, those are the bare minimum. That's where you should start. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so maybe we'll like that. So hopefully that kind of gives a good overview of where we're coming from when we talk about this. Um, But maybe we can kind of just go through and share the ways, like the, the sound bites, if you will, of like, we have four ways that we've talked about that you could 
use to start to actually create generational health. So the first one we kind of talked about is like understanding your own health profile and not keeping that information a secret. <laughs> Cause I know like, so my parents are the parents who are now taking care of their parents. Mm -hmm. And as the oldest daughter, I'm privy to a lot more information. Like always have been now that I'm an adult, it's okay, but I've always been privy to more information than I needed. Yeah. Um, but like it, I had can I have very distinct memories of just my mom being so frustrated because trying to pull this information out of her parents was like biting tooth and nail. And it's yeah. like, how do you expect us to help you now that you need help? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So, you know, don't keep it a secret. Write it down somewhere, put it in a safe, you know, it doesn't have to be super public knowledge, but make sure that information is accessible. Yes. Children. <laughs> Forget. Like thinking about this episode, I was thinking about one time I was on this one medication and the side effects it was having. And right now for the life of me, I can't remember why, what I was even being treated for, but I do remember how I felt about being on that medication. And I'm like, I'm not keeping that a secret. Like I forgot, like, I don't remember if I don't write it down. And so that's another thing of why keeping your, your personal history recorded is yeah, life be life and y'all and right, just write it down. <laughs> yes. So that's yeah. where at least menstrual health wise, like your cycle check-in and tools yeah. like the agenda period come in because you are keeping a record. And like, I don't remember what my period was like six months ago, unless I go back and look at my data and I'm like, oh yeah, that was the one that was really easy. Or that was the one, this weird thing happened. But all of that is really important. All of it's really important. So yeah, it matters. Oh, it matters. Crack my knuckle. Oh. <laughs> um, another way to think about generational health, if you do decide that you want to become a parent, but you are in the, if you are thinking about becoming a parent, you are in what's called the preconception phase. Like if you're even thinking about it, you're in that phase. And there are so many things that you can do to not only like make yourself like really healthy and very fertile, but doing all of those things is going to benefit whoever comes out of you, because I don't know if you know this, I think it's 90 days. Like the egg that you ovulate starts getting ready 90 days, three mm. cycles before that's the egg that actually gets released. So like, that's a good amount of time. That's a whole season. Wow. And I mean, if you have the wherewithal, like start even earlier, like this is why taking care of your fertility and understanding your menstrual cycle is so important for your whole life because you're literally like fertilizing these literally, eggs yeah. or the sperm too. Like, don't like, this is not just on yeah. the, the, yeah. the egg carriers. Um, and we could probably, we should probably have a whole other episode about the preconception phase and all the things that, you know, you can do because that would be way oh, too I love that. now, but it is really something important to consider that again, the system doesn't set you up to consider that. Metformin, um, and good luck. Take like, the pill until you want to get pregnant. Yes, it's not going to cause infertility. You're gonna. I mean, as soon as you stop taking it, you're fertile and you can get pregnant. So, and for some people, that is Wrong the case. I was being facetious. Is, in my face. <laughs> it, it that does work for some people. Yeah, but for a lot of people, it doesn't. And so it's again, it's everyone's bio individual. Again, if we were just given all the information about birth control, about how our cycles work, about all the things, it wouldn't be so stressful for people. So yeah. just yeah. consider the preconception phase. 
if you're thinking about procreating. Um, And we kind of already talked about this, especially you, Anna, where, you know, what is the example you're setting? Not just for kids, if you have them, but like, I, I know that like, it's, it's not always going to be an immediate yes. When I like pose a health related idea to my husband, he's more than happy to talk about it, but it's not always something that he's like immediately gung ho for. But most of the time, if I just go ahead and start doing something, whether it's getting into running or deciding to try an elimination diet, he sees that I'm feeling better and he's like, okay, well, maybe I'll try it. Yeah. You just have to live by your values, like as best you can. Like you don't always need someone to come along on the ride with you. That's a good one. See you doing the things and having the results. That's so much more effective than trying to argue somebody into agreeing with you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's big. That's really good. It really is because the people that you spend the most of your time with are who most influences you and you're off obviously influencing them. And yeah, I, I really struggle with that because I'm like, my daughter sees that, you know, we're we're eating lots of fruits and vegetables and we're not sitting down eating sleeves of Oreos. And like, she's seeing us do this. Surely she's just going to decide one day. And I'm like, no, you just can't keep bringing the Oreos into the house because they're created. They're Franken foods. They're created to make you want them and eat them. And I know that I know better. And so setting the example is where I'm going to spend my money. Like, am I going to buy crap? Yeah. And that's the fourth point is like an advocate. Like, how are you going to vote with your dollars? What causes are you going to support? What public messages and people can you support that are actually trying to get us to a place where we all are collectively healthier? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, don't get me wrong. Like we live in a world where I'm not upset that somebody invented Oreos. Like I'm not upset that they exist every once in a while. They're, great eat some oreos but like you said it's like am i gonna buy them all the time no i don't need them all the time yeah um and i mean i think of like you know i am aware of like the opposite effect because like my mom bought soy milk before it was good like we didn't have any of that stuff in the house yeah um my gosh like fruit leather is way better now than when (laughs) i (laughs) like we had a lot of that like health food stuff and I think as an adult because like you know I'm making you eat the healthy food so let me try this right let me try all this other stuff yeah yeah um so yeah it's like it's just that like healthy balance but you know like you said it's like well what am I doing 80 percent of the time Mm. yeah yeah yeah, I'm like I also, you know, did go through a phase where I ate a lot of junk food and then I course corrected and I turned out okay. Like, you know, it's not all like doom and gloom. Like that's not an all or nothing thing. It's not, it it isn't, but like my daughter, she gets really bad eczema if she's had a lot of gluten. She does not have a gluten allergy, but we do know this. And so there's, she likes certain graham crackers and she used to love these certain chicken nuggets and she just knew that if you if you if you're eating this more times than not then you're going to get itchy on your arms mm-hmm. and she at 3 years old i saw her saying oh i don't want to be itchy and made her own 
decision. But if we didn't know that that's why her arms were itchy, we would have just kept on. And so her starting this young being a, a scientist of her own body has been just has been just what I needed to to reparent myself, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like for you, like for us as the parents, allowing them to have those thoughts where it's not like that's bad. It's just, that is the effect. That's what's going to happen. And yeah. giving them kind of the autonomy to make those decisions. Cause like I, nobody gave me that. No. And like, it's not, it's not a dig at my parents. They did, you know, I think they did an okay job. We have a great relationship, like all as well. It's just, again, we're building generational health. So we're building on what we had. And now as parents, like you said, we're reparenting ourselves mm -hmm. and trying to do our part to make it even better for the next generation. And it's not easy. Like I get it. Like, I think my generation started the processed convenient food and having six people in a household, like I had three brothers, like Pop-Tarts for breakfast, grab a Pop-Tart, <laughs> grab some cereal. And it was cheaper and it was faster and I could do it myself. My mom didn't have to do it for me. And yeah, but <laughs> now I'm like, those are the things that my brain is like hardwired to want in the morning. And it takes time to scramble some eggs and put some sweet potatoes in the air fryer, chop up some veg. Like that takes time. Yeah. And so I get that it's not easy, but I love voting with your dollar. Like if you're going to buy the healthy things, there's, there's so many ways. And I think that's a whole nother episode of streamlining, yeah. streamlining and prepping and just but also making... like the healthy alternatives that yeah. we found. Just remind me to make a note of that. Cause I think yeah. that would be a good episode. I'm already thinking of some, but I'm like, okay. they do exist. Yeah. You know, and that, yeah. All right. <laughs> Tangents. We've gone on them, but this is all good stuff, right? Yeah. So yeah, we would love to know, like, if you're listening to this episode, if any of this resonates with you or you have any questions, like feel free to drop them in the comments. I know on Spotify, there's a place to kind of drop comments or on YouTube or even come hit us up on Instagram, you know, like let's keep this conversation going off the pod, but uh but yeah, I guess we'll wrap it up there. I think that was pretty good. Hopefully it's you thinking about, you know, your own health profile and how you can, you know, build up your own generational health bank. I love it. And Alex, we miss you. Take care of that sweet baby and we'll chat with y'all later. Bye.